You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Just one hour away from the start of the 2017 college football season. Officially, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello talking some big-time football here. We talked about the ACC, SEC, Big Ten. There's an intriguing matchup later today. Boise State at home against Troy. I'm telling you, look out for Troy. They went into Death Valley last year and lost that game to Clemson by seven. I think I smell an upset here in Idaho later today. You think today. they could win on the blue I turf? Do. Yeah, listen, I, last year Troy showed who they were. I mean, this is an up-and-coming program. They returned their quarterback, Brandon Silvers. Jordan Chun is back to commandeer the running game. And Neil Brown, I like to talk a lot about young coaches with P5 potential. We touched on Scott Satterfield of Appalachian State. We'll talk in future shows of guys like Jason Candle and Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. But Neil Brown has done a great job at Troy. My concern is making that trip to Boise State, tough territory, big year for Brian Harson and Brett Rippon. You know, they haven't won the Mountain West for the past two years. They've given way to San Diego State. So I think it's really important for Boise State to start strong. But I'm glad we're touching on this. Go. This is a really good, we talk a lot about ACC, SEC challenges. Right. Mountain West Sunbelt Challenge. Well, here's the thing. I think Harson's doing a fantastic job. They were 10-3 and last year, but I think he's recruiting from an offensive standpoint. You look at the defense over the last few years now. Let's look at the statistically from last season. 177 rushing yards per game uh, to opposing offenses. That was their worst since prior to 2008. They were negative in turnover margin for the first time since 2009, Rich. And look at the sack totals. Over the last three years, 47 total sacks down to 33 in 2015, down to 29 last year. He's not doing it on the defensive side of the ball. I picked them at 7-5 and five overall, mm. and when you have an experienced quarterback in Silvers, I mean, they went into Death Valley and stood toe-to-toe yep. with Deshaun Watson. They're, they're going into Boise expecting to win this ballgame. Now, how could you say Brian Harson is doing a good job, though? I mean, if you think they're going to go 7-5 and five, and they've gone back-to-back years, this is the, this is the benchmark program of not only the Mountain West, this is the smaller school, this is the group of five sort of flag bearer in Boise State. So I, I don't think Brian Harson is doing a good job. And that's why this matchup between Harson and Neil Brown is key for both of those coaches. Yes, yeah, for recruiting as well, too, because you look at both teams were 10-3 and three last year, and you look at Boise State last year, in terms of their losses, to Air Force, they allowed two, 315 rushing yards on the ground. Wyoming, they allowed 215, and 140 on the ground to Baylor. So look for Troy to run the football against the smallest Boise State defensive front seven. When I say doing a good job, on paper, 10-3, and three, you can't argue with that, but it's not the same type of consistency that Chris Peterson built there. Yeah, and that bar was set so high, even going back as far as Dan Hawkins, right. then obviously Chris Peterson. So Brian Harson has to maintain, and that's why this is a sneaky good game. And a game loaded with big matchups. This one's really good. Anything could happen on the blue field. That's a 345 kick, but we're just getting started. We're going to talk about the Sunday and Monday games next. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
back on College Football Today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Rich, we got into all the big games, but there's some marquee games Sunday night and Monday. One of those games, Texas A&M and UCLA. This is a rematch from last year that Texas A&M won this ballgame in overtime in College Station. But if you watch the last seven minutes of that ballgame, Josh Rosen and that offense went to the up-tempo attack, really put a lot of pressure on Texas A&M's defense, more importantly, their secondary. I think that's the matchup you look play out here in, in the Rose Bowl later to, later on this weekend it's one of the really fun things about week one we don't have nfl yet and college football seizes the sunday and the monday so we kind of get those those matchups after a great day today we're now going to get a couple of sunday games we'll get the monday nighter between tennessee and georgia tech in terms of texas a&m and ucla this is sort of a a hot seat bowl right i mean for a couple of coaches that are in trouble i believe that they both Both. are kevin sumlin at at texas a&m and jim mora at ucla You mentioned Josh Rosen. That's one of the fascinating storylines. I think this is a toss-up game. I'm having a very difficult time differentiating between these two programs. UCLA has Rosen, so they have the edge at quarterback. The Aggies have not shown their hand as to whether or not it'll be Hubenak or Kellen Mond or or, uh, Nick Starkle who'll be the starting quarterback. So edge UCLA. But UCLA is iffy everywhere else, right? Trouble running the ball last year, rebuilt defensive line. So they're home, but they have a lot of issues in facing Texas A&M on on Sunday. I look at this matchup. You mentioned the 84 rushing yards per game. That was second worst in FBS. They were a one-dimensional offense. And more importantly, they were only 3-3 and with Josh Rosen in the lineup, a 500 team. I was very high on A&M last year. I thought Trevor Knight was an added dimension, and they jumped out to a 6-0 and record before you know, falling to 85 overall. But I look at Texas A&M's defense. They allowed 218 rushing yards to opposing offenses last year. They lose Deshaun Hall. They lose Miles Garrett and Justin Evans. Their big play safety, especially in pass coverage. That's the matchup. It's a West Coast trip across the country. You have a new starting quarterback. I think it'll be stark. Starkle in this matchup. I mean, the redshirt freshman. Yeah, yeah, they said he was named as far as I saw, but we we don't know yet. I look at just the up-tempo attack here of them going across country. I love Keith Ford, the Texas A&M running back, and Christian Kirk, along with Travion Williams, but I think it comes down to the quarterback position. And if UCLA can start fast, I think it's going to be a long day for Texas A&M. Do you have any concerns that Josh Rosen hasn't played? Josh Rosen is a very good quarterback. He has the arm talent to play on Sundays. But there's got to be some rust, number one. And number two, his receivers are average. I I mean, Darren Andrews is a a decent slot receiver. But I don't know if there are many receivers that can really exploit the average Texas A&M secondary. I like Armani Watts on the back end of Texas A&M. I'm not as concerned as most people in terms of the defensive line of the Aggies because they won't have the strength on the perimeter that they did last year without Hall and Garrett, but on the inside, they're very good. And UCLA has had problems protecting their quarterback. They've obviously had problems creating space for those running backs. And one of the things that you touched on that I'll just piggyback off of is A&M has really good skill position talent, right? Travion Williams, Christian Kirk, I think one of the best wide receivers in the country. So I I think this is a toss-up game, but I give the edge to A&M because I think UCLA has too many holes 
outside of the edge at quarterback. Well, here's the matchup that I want to see play out in the Rose Bowl. If Texas A&M can run the football on their front seven of UCLA, I think it's game over because UCLA allowed five opponents last year to rush for over 195 yards on the ground. They were 0-5 in those games and lost those games by 14.8 points per game. They lose McKinley. They lose Eddie Vanderdose. So if you can run the football with Travion, uh, uh, Travion Williams and uh, Keith Ford in that matchup, I mean, that's the matchup that you want to say play out, not to put a lot of pressure on the right. new quarterback. But. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, that, that's what you have to do in this game because if you're banking on a Nick Starkle to be the guy against some, some really good athletes on the back end of that UCLA defense, I mean, they've been inconsistent over the right. past few years, but very athletic, well-recruited, highly regarded high school players on the back end. So I, you know, I, I think UCLA has to run. I think Texas A&M has to run. Those are the keys for me in this game. One name I want to throw out, UCLA has the rebuilt defensive line. That's going to be a problem in the early part of the season. But Jalen Phillips is a five-star blue chipper who's going to yeah, UCLA doesn't put out a depth chart, but I think he's going to start or at least be a key part of that rotation. 6'5", 265 pounds. He's going to have to take up more slack on that UCLA defense for the Bruins to have success. Yeah, I, I think you just throw it on Josh Rosen here. Show me yes. something, Josh yeah. Rosen. Show me a quality marquee victory. I know it's only Texas A&M, but it is the SEC. Get it done. If he can, this team can build some momentum. Again, I picked them at 6-6 six and six overall, not expecting them to run the table in the Pac-12, but can you show me something no, at you're, home? You're spot on. I, I think this is the Josh Rosen show. I, I think if UCLA wins in what will be a close game, I think it's going to be Rosen throwing for north of 250 yards, north of a couple of touchdown passes. If he's not on point, if he has some rust, if he's a little bit inconsistent... I, I think you forget about it. UCLA does not have the horses to win this game. Can you show me that you have this team too? Can you lead it? Yes, can, he can has to carry this team. He has, to ca- he has to carry this team for his NFL future as well because my concern about Josh Rosen is not the arm talent. It's the passion. It's the ability for him to be the it guy that carries a program. That's what you want to see in a next-level quarterback. I agree. Remember the replacements? Gene Hackman. Yeah. Hart. Absolutely. You know, Shane Falco had heart. Well, Josh Rosen's got to show, show me. Yes. He's got to show it in this ball game. That's uh, he Sunday can't be night. Edie Falco. He's got to be Josh Falco. <laughs> well, uh, another game Monday night. Labor. I love this matchup. Tennessee and Butch Jones. Three straight nine and four seasons. He's my number one coach on the hot Despite seat. Despite the where, nine wins, yeah, that's it. Lisey, He's going up against Georgia Tech. Lisey as an athletic option. director or a general that's manager it. They would hate me scare. in Knoxville. That would frighten me. They hate me in Knoxville over there. But Georgia Tech now three and zero over the SEC last year. They knocked off Vanderbilt. They knocked off. Georgia. They knocked off Kentucky. No Dedrick Mills in this ballgame. Got kicked off the team. I think it's a speed advantage, a ski, speed and a scheme advantage for Georgia Tech because of the triple option. A lot different in game speed than practice situations. I'm calling for the 33-20 to 20 upset over Tennessee in this ballgame. It game. really wouldn't be an upset. I mean, I know Vegas would say it's an upset. I, I think these are two very similar programs. I like Tennessee, and I like Tennessee heading into this season, but I have to admit I'm getting a little bit skittish because the problem that impacted the Vols last year was injuries and a loss of key bodies and now we've already learned that Darren Kirkland their star linebacker out for the season Drew Richmond their starting left tackle not going to play in this game so Tennessee's dealing with attrition again much like they did last year now having said that 
a lot of time to prepare for that triple option. No Diedrich Mills, as you touched on. You've got a new starting quarterback for Paul Johnson over on the flats for the Yellow Jackets. So Tennessee, I think, has more able bodies this year than they did last year. I like Quentin Dormady, by the way, the new starting quarterback. John Kelly, the new running back. So I I think this is another... I think all three of the Sunday-Monday games are going to be competitive and close. I think this one is as well, but I think Tennessee comes out on top. Well, here's why I like Georgia Tech. I mean, you mentioned Tennessee, the the lack of of playmakers that went down due to injury. They allowed close to 220 rushing yards per game last year, Rich. They allowed four opponents to rush for over 300. They allowed 353 to Texas A&M, 409 to Alabama, 443 to Kentucky, and 420 to Missouri. Now, if Georgia Tech can run the football consistently, I think it's game over. They put together an eight-minute drive. They score three. They score seven. The game's played in Atlanta. A lot of people expecting a big turnout for the Yellow Jackets. That's going to put pressure on Dormandy here, and more importantly, Butch Jones. No Jalen Hurd, no Alvin Kamara as well. This is a show-me game for both programs, and and I I think, like it or not, Georgia Tech provided some bulletin board material late last year after getting the bowl victory. They put it out on social media that they were 3-0 versus the SEC East. Uh, Tennessee next is what they said, basically, so I'm sure Butch has been showing them that tweet throughout the offseason. Tennessee has a lot to prove. Butch Jones has a lot to prove. And that SEC East is still there for the taking. I mean, I know Georgia's, Georgia, Florida, those are the favorites. But if Tennessee can turn things around, Khalil McKenzie now back on that defensive line, hopefully going to help the run defense. We'll have to in this game. This is a big game for Butch Jones because if he gets off to a slow start and that continues, he may not finish this season. Well, he'll he'll probably finish, but he'll be out of a job. I yeah. think we said it. He goes six and six, seven and five. Tough to return. I mean, at that I don't. Point. I know three straight nine win seasons, but that's going to be very difficult. And it, you look at the loss of Josh Malone on the outside. They have Jennings, but with Josh Malone in the lineup, he was very productive because defenses couldn't both double team him and Josh Malone at the same time. So champions of life. That's wonderful, but you're a football coach. You got to win champions of the SEC. I agree point. with you. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that game plays out, but I think Georgia Tech can get into the area of 33 points in this ballgame. When you look at the defensive tackle play, too, you need big physical defensive tackles that can run stuff running lanes, and that's where I think Tennessee will be at a disadvantage in this ballgame. But this is why we're talking about it. We love college football. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Monday night game uh, in more depth. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. on college football today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, just about 30 minutes away from the start of the week one kickoff. You know, Rich, when I started this podcast, everybody was asking for advice. You know, what team do you like? Do you like Clemson? Do you like Florida State? Well, not only who you pick, but where you bet is the most important thing. That's huge. why I go to huge. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. Uh, that's why I'm telling people to go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie's been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. But they do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, Rich, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payout. Seriously, in just two days flat, you get paid. You know what? You know who's gonna win? 
Everybody's going to yeah. win because the they're utilizing mybookie.ag. I would only recommend the service to my listeners that I think is good. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business and a new mobile site that allows in-game wagering as well as uh, live odds and betting as you go. So it's all all what it is. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. Use the promo code College GT. That's College GT. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Why not seek some assistance? Well, I'll tell you this: if I went to my bookie right now, I would be going on Georgia Tech because I love Georgia Tech week one. You love them. I do. All right. I do. I think they can run on Tennessee. I mean, that's the one game I think when I break it down, I know nope. that they have bullet, bulletin board material. I'm not sold on Tennessee. I'm not sold on Butch Jones. And I really feel that the option is a lot different in game speed than practice situations. Look at Navy last night with FAU. They had all season to prepare, all off season. They got blown out. If you play a team that knows how to run the triple option now georgia southern's a little bit different because they're not on the same level as auburn but acc sec i think that's a i think that's a tricky game i think tennessee's gonna sort of channel their early season magic of 2017 i think this is going to be a thrilling game right to the finish i think this is a seesaw battle back and forth two similarly talented teams but I think the magic that Tennessee had early last year with Butch Jones I just see something wacky happening at the end of the game Tennessee pulling it out I'm picturing Butch Jones basically like doing a novena at midfield laying flat down realizing that he got a gift to win this game I just think this is a very close game Tennessee with a slight edge in town I never liked the Georgia Tech defense you could tell me they have eight starters back I don't see any stars on that defense. So I think John Kelly winds up being the running back. John Kelly winds up being the star of this game, and Tennessee gets out of Atlanta with a victory. They're going to have to because if if he loses that game, they'll be calling for his head because SEC plays. And it's justifiable. I mean, this is not a premier ACC team. Tennessee, you've got to beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's a nice program. But this isn't Florida State. This isn't Clemson. You have to win this game. And look for Kelly in the short intermediate passing game today. If he's a nice utilize, back. He, he now is. has an opportunity to step up. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. That's Monday night. Another uh, key battle is tomorrow night with Texas A&M and UCLA. It's Will Greer in West Virginia. West Virginia 10-3 and last year going up against Justin Fuente and the Hokies. I mean, they were 10-4 and ACC championship appearance. Lost to Clemson by seven points. No Gerard Evans. No Bucky Hodges, no Isaiah Ford. Josh Jackson gets the start today, uh, tomorrow night. I like West Virginia here because of the athleticism of Will Greer. Yeah, I'm going to butt heads with you Ooh. again, Joe, because, uh, well, I enjoy doing well, that, quite frankly. That's the show. <laughs> um, but I like Virginia Tech. I don't love Virginia Tech. I think this is another game that could go in either direction. I, I, I hate to be riding the fence, but Virginia Tech has issues. West Virginia has more issues. Now, I'm fascinated by the possibility to see Will Greer, former Florida quarterback, suspended for PEDs, missed all of last season, missed half of the prior season. So we haven't seen Will Greer in some time. He's a dynamic quarterback. Will plus Dana Holgerson. I think it's going to be a lot of fun in Morgantown this season. But Virginia Tech has the better defense. I look at West Virginia, offensive line rebuilt, defensive line rebuilt. So, yeah, they have the quarterback edge, but 
Justin Fuente does such a great job with quarterbacks. So I think Josh Jackson will be fine because of the coaching staff that he has. Bud Foster in that defense has an edge on West Virginia. I think it's going to be a highly entertaining game, but I say edge Hokies because of their line play and because of the presence of their defensive coordinator. Well, much to your point, Virginia Tech still has Cam Phillips. They have Trayvon McMillan on the offensive side of the ball. And defensively is where Bud Foster made the most strides last year. Two years ago, they allowed an untypical 184 rushing yards per game to opposing offenses. He got it down last year to 140 rushing yards per game. Uh, The way they were solid in the front seven, they played great man-to-man coverage, which allowed them to utilize blitz packages to get quarterback pressures. From an offensive perspective, though, is where I have the concern because of the loss of Bucky Hodges. I mean, you're talking about a tight end that was like an H-back, especially in red zone opportunities. 6-6. I think Josh Jackson will miss him. And when you lose your leading wide receiver, Isaiah Ford, can Cam Phillips be that go-to guy on a consistent basis week in and week out? I think he can, and I've evaluated Cam Phillips in the offseason. I think he can be a number one in this offense. My concern is who's the number two, who's the number three, and can they get back to running the ball? So I start looking a little bit deeper into that offensive line. Uh, you know, Wyatt Teller, I think, is going to play on Sunday. I think Nijman, the left tackle from New Jersey, is going to play on Sundays as well. So that offensive line, a little more physical than Virginia Tech has been accustomed to in the past versus a rebuilt West Virginia yeah. defensive line. So I think you'll see McMillan find some space. I think you'll see Josh Jackson make some plays with his feet. Again, I think this is a close, entertaining, high-scoring game, but Virginia Tech has better personnel on defense. One thing I will point out, though, is if you like safeties, and I know you like safeties. I love safeties. West Virginia has a terrific and underrated safety combination. Now that Drayvon Askew-Henry is back in the defensive backfield, missed all of last season, safety play will be very good for West Virginia. But beyond Will Greer and Justin Crawford, very good running back, I'm not really sure if West Virginia has enough where it matters at the line of scrimmage to beat Virginia Tech. And to your point, outside linebacker Long is suspended for this game for West Virginia. He will not play. That's a major loss for the Mountaineers in this ballgame. I just like Will Greer from a, a, a kid that, when you watched him two years ago, I mean, he was an undefeated quarterback. He, bat, he was battle-tested, brought his team back from a 13-point deficit in Gainesville over Butch Jones and Josh Dobbs. And he was building momentum, and now he had the PED use off of football for a year and a half. I think his athleticism on the edge could give Bud Foster some concerns in this ballgame, and that's why I give the edge to the Mountaineers. The way they utilize Justin Crawford in the short-to-intermediate passing game as well is where I think you could get some mismatch problems. So I think it's going to be a close game, though. I think it's 31-27, West Virginia prevails, but it wouldn't shock me if West uh, Virginia Tech won this game. As we talk through it, Joe, it reminds me of the other Sunday game, the UCLA-Texas A&M game, from the standpoint that so much of the emphasis is going to fall on one player. Really, two for West Virginia. I'll say Justin Crawford as well, who is underrated, and I think the country is going to get to know him on Sunday night. But Will Greer will have to be special, because when you move outside of that offensive backfield for West Virginia, much like UCLA. UCLA, Josh Rosen has to be special, in my opinion, for UCLA to win. I think the same applies to West Virginia. And Virginia Tech has some talent and veteran players on the back end. Greg Stroman, Brandon Faison in the defensive backfield 
feel for Bud Foster. So I think he will be challenged. He also hasn't played in a very long period of time. So that kind of models the UCLA situation as well. I want to bring up a point. Uh, do you feel like Justin Fuente thought that Gerard Evans was going to go to the NFL draft? Or did you think he would have him for two years? And Yeah, I mean, I, I think he had to have suspected, even when he was recruiting him out of junior college and then watching him develop throughout the season, I think Fuente had to believe he was going to have him for two seasons. And one interesting thing, yeah, it would be nice to have Gerard Evans back, um, uh, uh, have uh, yeah Gerard Evans back for this season. It's not as if this kid was even drafted. It's unbelievable. So, so Justin Fuente was able to develop him into a player who was prolific in the ACC, led them to an ACC Coastal Division title. So why wouldn't we believe that the same thing could happen for Justin Jackson, who was hand-picked, uh, Josh Jackson, who was hand-picked by Justin Fuente, uh, for that Virginia yeah. Tech program. So I, think, I, I think they'll be fine at quarterback. I think you're going to get results from uh, Josh Jackson. I just feel that Gerard Evans was a more mature quarterback that could understand the schemes. And that's yeah. the one thing I think you're going to have a little bit of growing pains in this matchup. Now, West Virginia's defense is not the same level as Virginia Tech. They don't utilize as many blitz packages. And they're not as solid in terms of run support like Virginia Tech was last year. So we'll see if he has time to throw. If he can sit back there and and make his reads and progressions, he could possibly p- pick apart West Virginia's secondary. Yeah, I mean, does does this make you pine for the old Big East days? Because it does for me a little bit. <laughs> Amos I mean, Zeroway, yeah, and, uh, yeah, right, and uh, Brian Michael Randall Vick. back in the day, yeah. right? Yeah, I I used to love these matchups. I mean, this is a good rivalry game that we haven't seen since the Big East broke right. up. Now you have them. I think they've played 53 times in the past. They recruit a lot of the same players. This game is going to be played in Maryland. So in terms of a regional rivalry game, I think there will be a lot of intensity when West Virginia faces Virginia Tech. Talk about two old-timers in that rivalry years ago. I mean, West Virginia defensive end Gary Stills yeah. and Corey Moore. Remember the eyes? Absolutely. He, the eyes. Yeah. he was Great pass rusher. Oh, unbelievable. I yeah. think he went to Buffalo, but it's unbelievable that we remember these players. Uh, I do want to uh, touch on the big players, uh, the big games today, and players that might have an impact. I I brought up LSU and BYU. For me, it's Danny Etling. He needs to start fast with Matt Canada's offense later tonight. Yeah, I'm going to say Fred Warner in that game, the linebacker, because I I think Etling won't be a concern. Darius Dice will, so linebacker play for BYU will be huge in New Orleans. Rich and I will be talking to Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. We'll get his picks for Sunday and Monday. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. the final stretch run before kickoff about 20 minutes away what better way to get game information than with a host on game time decisions he's live on the fantasy sports celebrity guest line and even better yet he's in vegas gabe morenci gabe how are you the sports celebrity line i like that uh, you know let's not let uh, let's not let the viewers know i'm on a pay i'm on a phone right now i swear to god guys i think this phone it's probably the same phone that they had when they opened the Palace Station in, like, 1967. <laughs> like, you know, it's a rotary phone. I'm on a rotary phone here, guys. I that, couldn't that's like uh, that, that's Smithsonian material. I like that. 
No, it really is. It really is, Rich. And, you know, I asked for the O.J. Simpson suite, but it's already booked, right? So if you're, you guys are wondering, you know, this is the place where O.J. wanted his memorabilia back. A real local spot, though. Great sports book uh, here, actually. But, yeah, my apologies. Last week I was on the road. This week we're in Vegas. You know, I guess I shouldn't apologize for being in Vegas right now. But we'll be hunkered down on Skype for the rest of the season. I'm getting too old for this traveling every week. Well, Gabe, great information last week. I believe you were 5-2. and two. You nailed a bunch of overs. You killed it. You killed it, right? Uh, unbelievable. 5-2. and yeah, two Last record. night, and you know what? I did well on Thursday night as well, guys, and I was getting real cocky. My Twitter's blowing up. Maranci, who are you betting on tonight? Right? Like people, people were like, "Oh man, this guy's hot, man!" Because he's coming out of the, you know, out of the gate here. Last night, I can't believe Colorado State. Like, wow! And I bet the over of that game, you know, daylight dollar short. The only game I got right last night was Northern Illinois. And Boston College, I thought it would be a low-scoring game. I don't take the over in every game. I bet the under there. But, man, I was on the wrong side. Missed out on the Washington cover because of a couple of bad calls. But, nevertheless, we forged forward. You know, we talked about the Michigan game earlier. And I do like Michigan and Alabama, uh, Moneyline Parlay. It's like plus 100. I think the Alabama game is going to be a high-scoring game. But a game we didn't get to, and I know we'll get to a couple others right now. I just want to throw it out there in the afternoon. Love the Temple Owls. Brian Kelly... This guy's on the hot seat right now. And, you know, the old the old adage is, you know, college football coaches, if they want to get the free Cadillacs and the free SUVs, you know, you got to cover point spreads, right? The old boosters. Keep the boosters happy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. They just need to win the game, all right? You know, the boosters will be happy if they beat Temple, let alone by 19. I think it's a little ambitious in that spot. I don't know who's starting uh, for a uh, quarterback for Temple. I guess it's uh, Tony Soprano's kid <laughs> or someone. Like, you know, like, we talked about it earlier in the week. You know, I, I don't know. They got like the Sopranos family competing for the quarterback spot up there in, in, in Philly. Uh, but with, with all kidding aside, without defense, and, you know, and Jeff Collins running his program right now, I don't think there's going to be a big drop-off from Matt Rule, uh, you know, going over there to Texas and Baylor, et cetera, and Waco. I like Temple plus 18. I think Notre Dame probably win, but they don't need to win by 19 to be happy and send the cheerleaders home happy. Too many points in that football game. Give me the underdog with the Owls. I like Temple in that matchup as well. I mean, Notre Dame only 14 total sacks as a defensive unit last year, Gabe, and they allowed 180 rushing yards per game to opposing offenses. So I think Temple will be in that ball game from start to finish. Rich, who do you like in that ball game? No, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm big on look-aheads, Gabe. I don't know how you evaluate that, but Georgia in Week 2, is enormous for Brian Kelly and for Notre Dame. I think they could be looking past a Temple team that's always Temple tough. The names change, but this is a very physical, tough, well-coached program. Gabe, I want to... I do believe in the look ahead. I, I do. You know, but it's funny. People said the same thing about Stanford last week. Oh, they're playing USC in their next game. Yeah, yeah, they got a bye week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think sometimes talent prevails, even with the look ahead, as you know, Rich. Uh, but you're exactly right. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Georgia's going to have their hands full today. Georgia better not be looking ahead to Notre Dame because I, I think it's, you know, it's, what is it, the 10th anniversary of the App State game, uh, they, of the Michigan win. Uh, they, they better not be looking ahead. That's a dangerous game right there. Two but touchdowns. 18 and a half is, it's way too many points, yeah. guys, to yeah. give to Temple on a low. This is a 17-10 game to me, 24-17. 
Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. I'm with you on Temple. I'm against you on Georgia. I think they roll. I love Sony Michelle and well, Nick I'm not betting on our state either. Georgia <laughs> are more stocked than Pamela Anderson and the Costa Baywatch were. All right, I'm not messing with those guys. <laughs> Dave, let's get to this game because Rich and I are split. I like Josh Rosen in UCLA. I think the cross country trip for Texas A&M. And if you watch that game last year in College Station, the way Rosen went to the up tempo attack late in that ball game for me, is how I expect them to start in this ball game against a suspect secondary for the Aggies. Rich likes A&M. How do you see this game playing out? You know what's amazing to me? You know when you see, like, couples on the street? You know, you see a guy and a girl. They're generally equally good-looking. You know what I mean? Unless, like, there's a really, really rich dude and he's just some sort of, you know, spaz and he's got a a real real trophy piece because of the money. Uh, but my point is on this, where well, I got a point, trust me, I know where I'm going. <laughs> We're waiting patiently. Uh, is, yeah, yeah, exactly. These two teams are made for each other. It's unbelievable they play each other. Two underachievers, aren't they? You know, like, really, we got Texas a and we got both coaches. I'll say, Kevin, are they on the hot seat? No. But at the same point in time, are they overpaid? Probably. I think the boosters will start to say, what the hell are we paying someone for? You know, remember a couple of years ago? When uh, someone was giving you the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the greatest coach of all time, oh, he, he saw it. We don't, we don't hear so much that about it anymore. We don't hear someone to hear, someone to there. We hear someone might get let go in Texas A&M. And same thing with Mora. I'm going to give Mora the benefit of the doubt. You know, bad year, okay. You know, he was racking up the eight wins on a yearly basis. But it's amazing to me the similarities in these programs. Big name programs. Haven't won in forever, sort of, you know, are there, but let's be real and no insulting, you know, no disrespect to the, 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 the alumni of the fan bases, but tier two programs. You know, you're not a tier one program. You're not, you're not, you're not a tier one program, you, UCLA or Texas a anymore. Um, you know, so the winner of this game gets to pretend they're a tier one program. I'm with you, Joe. I think UCLA get it done here. Uh, I think they bounce back. I think they can get it done. I can't, I can't take a, a frost court, a quarterback in a situation like this with A&M on the road. I like, you know, I don't believe, I think revenge is overrated in sports. You know, guys want to win, you want to win, whatever. Look, that's last night. Ooh, I'm in a revenge spot going to the book after I get off the, uh, the line with you guys. Is it going to mean I'm going to win? <laughs> oh, Marenzi's in a revenge spot. He lost last night. <laughs> but without being stated, I, I think UCLA are in a decent spot here. You know, Texas A&M, very young, going to Cali, going to the Rose Bowl. I, I don't love it, but I do like UCLA to win this football game. You're going to be the deciding factor on two more games because we're split on this one as well. I'm leaning towards West Virginia. I like Will Greer. Rich likes uh, Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. I have a 31-27 West Virginia. How do you see this one playing out? You guys always pick the weirdest games and the toughest games. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, do you, what, you want us to give you layups here? Yeah, I, I know. I, yeah, Rich. Yes, yes. Yeah, I okay, who do you like in Oklahoma? Who's going to win Oklahoma, Utah? Oklahoma wins. I'll go bold. Nice. Uh, you know, this, this is another really intriguing uh, football game uh, in this one. Listen, I'm a big Fuente fan, and I'm, I'm down here in Vegas right now. You know, Fuente's like Mike Zimmer the NFL. All right, betters love this guy. They, we, we don't take him out for dinner. You know, th- this guy covers points, Brad. He's a, he's a winning football coach. Big, big fan of Fuente. 
Um, and, and, and am I that big of a fan of Holgerson? Probably not. You know, you got Will Greer in here right now. I'm hearing they're raving about him. They're raving about him. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with you on this one, Joe. I think the West Virginia Mountaineers find a way of winning this football game. It's going to be a big win uh, for the program. Uh, I just I can't be laying the points in this spot with Virginia Tech. I just can't. And to me, Evans was the best player on that team. And I was a big Evans fan. I don't think he should have left. I had a big mistake with this kid going leaving. You know, he could be playing college ball right now. This football team would probably be a top-ten program. Uh, but give me the points. Give me the points. Give me the underdog with the Mountaineers. Gabe, it's great information every time you join us. We we can't wait to have you on Skype throughout the year. I mean, it's going to be a, a fantastic year for all three yeah, of us. I, I want to be in the office. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough. You guys know what it's like. Come into the studio. The and next, no time you, next time you travel, make it to New York City. Come into the studio with us. How about that? Yeah, well, you know what? We gotta, we'll set that up. We gotta, it's only an hour flight from here. We'll set that up. I'd love to do that uh, in, in the next month or so. We'll definitely do that when the games start getting bigger. This is what it's all about. Gabe Morenci, Game Time Decisions. He was the deciding factor. He sided with me. I'm he's just crushing saying. me. I don't feel good. I mean, he's been hot to start the season. He's against he has. And I, I think he was going Georgia Tech if we asked him uh, to. I think he would have leaned Georgia I think he Tech. Was. <laughs> he, I don't think he's a big, big I'm not feeling good guy. about my picks this weekend, but well, we'll see I, what happens. I, I do want to just touch on this Tennessee game. In terms of we've had players on, J.J. McClessie, Charles Davis, and they all say the same thing. They're back to the recruiting of yeah. Tennessee football. We understand that. But he's got to start to coach that talent up. And if it's not this year, I understand the losses. When? Yeah. When? That's the only thing. If I think he wins pressure. eight or nine this year, I don't think he has to win the right. East this year. I think if he wins eight or nine this season, I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. And then he builds towards 2018. But I, listen, I couldn't agree with you more. At some point, you're Tennessee. You have to win that division. Here's a coach that I could see... You know, coaching two years and then being out of a job is uh, Lovey Lovey Smith with yeah. Illinois. I mean, I don't think he's enjoying college football no, at all. Not I spoke. At all. I spoke to Illinois players last year, and they said he doesn't have an open door policy. He's not very communicative. He doesn't know the college game at this point. I don't think he's loving it. And you know what? They're getting their head handed to them. They're, they're having problems in, well, in Champaign. I'm going to give you an upset special Let's here. Go. I like Ball State and Riley oh, yeah. Neal. Riley Neal's a, a gutty quarterback. Keep an eye out for him. But you're talking about an Illinois team, Rich, that only had 13 passing touchdowns last year. They struggled stretching teams vertically. Upset City. Ball State knocks off what? Illinois in Champaign. We'll, give, we'll come back. We'll give our picks for the day. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. minutes to kick off. Rich and I are chomping at the bit. This is what it's all about. We're going to give our best picks for the day. I told you I love Georgia Tech. I love Louisville and Josh Rosen and UCLA, Rich. I also like Florida, Florida State, and NC State. 
I'm going out. I, I feel strong about the picks today. I basically like anybody <laughs> getting points today, I think is what it came down to. I didn't realize it, but I, I really like BYU getting two touchdowns against LSU. I think they'll be a much better program than we saw against Portland State. I like Cal getting points. I'm with you on Florida yeah. State. But South Carolina is a team. I, North Carolina State has a lot of talent, and I think they'll be good throughout the season. But I think South Carolina, Jake Bentley could be the star of that game. I like South Carolina, like Michigan as well. Yeah, for me, it comes down to that South Carolina game. Which quarterback could really have success early on, get into a rhythm? I, for me, I like Ryan Philly because of Jalen Samuels. I like with the offensive balance that Dave Doran is, is built there. I mean, from his days at Northern Illinois, always had offensive balance attacks. And you look at Will Muschamp, I mean, th- even though they had success at the early part, uh, end, or end of the year, excuse me, they only averaged 20 points as an offensive unit. That was with Dowdle. That was with Bentley. And they struggled against speed teams, like I said, South Florida. That was with a rookie quarterback. That was a true freshman. I expect Bentley, a coach's son, to take the next step in his sophomore season, number one. Number two, you know how I feel about Dave Doran. I mean, Dave Doran has beefed up his record, which is marginal at this point. Yes, it is. He's beefed up against very bad competition. So, yeah, he's had some moral victories with the close calls against the Clemsons and the Florida states but let's see him deliver against an sec opponent in south carolina will muschamp with an entire offseason to prepare for ryan finley no matt days anymore in the backfield right so watch south carolina today well you want to attack my coach i'm going to attack will let's muschamp go. there let's i go. mean will muschamp isn't the offensive genius in terms of offensive philosophy he's got a quarterback now though he's got a quality uh, quarterback isn't it amazing though that florida still can't, doesn't have florida, a, it is shocking it's unbelievable it's got to drive steve spurrier nuts it, he's rolling around i mean it's unreal but yeah. you think about it i mean jim McElwain still can't find the offensive answers now will muschamp with this defense overall really still even though Moore comes back hasn't found the defensive answers especially in run support and that's why i like bradley chubb he's a future nfl no top question. draft pick as oh, well no. 6'4, 285 very pounds. good defensive line i mean and they go too deep exactly. on the defensive line that's my big concern about picking south carolina is nc state has a grown-up big-boy defensive line. Yeah, for me in the Florida State game, it does come down to the speed of Florida State, even though they're inexperienced wide receivers. Look for Cam Akers in the short to intermediate passing game. The way Dalvin Cook was utilized as well, that can loosen up Alabama's defensive front seven. Again, I think when you give Jimbo Fisher six months to prepare, and I understand Nick Saban has the same amount of time, but let's be honest, new offensive coordinator and Brian Dable, 36.5 sacks gone from last year. Marlon Humphrey, Eddie Jackson gone. You're not talking about just reloading. You're talking about major losses for Alabama. Joe, this will be a competitive game because personnel-wise and coaching-wise, these are two similar programs. But I look at Alabama, they have a better offense. They have a better offensive line. I'm going to kind of get in the weeds a little bit. Jonah Williams, the left tackle, is outstanding. Second-year player, was terrific as a freshman. Deron Payne, the defensive lineman, I think he's the defensive star of this game. Payne and Derek Noddy of Florida State, two great interior linemen. I just think Alabama's better along the line. I think it's a close game. I think the Tide survive. Well, I'm going with Jim McElwain to find the answers in Arlington. Upset City, baby. 23-17 over Michigan. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it's Michigan. They, they win. Too, too much attrition on, on Florida's side. Not enough playmakers. Indecision at quarterback. I like Michigan. Yeah, for Rich Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. We're going to be with you each and every Saturday right here from Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Enjoy the games. College football is great. We just love talking about it. 